With the NowJobs app, you're only three clicks away from a new student worker. Let us introduce you to the NowJobs app. That's extra help in just a few clicks. No fuss, no administration. Download it now. Available in Belgium, the Netherlands, France, and soon in Germany. NowJobs. Get the job done. Ka-ching! Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, rash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. CallRussia.org will randomly connect you with everyday citizens of Russia to help halt Putin's propaganda machine. It aims to make 40 million calls to help stop the war in Ukraine. If you speak Russian, check it out. CallRussia.org. You are listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast, Does Europe. I'm your co-host, Joel Jerky Boy Cheeseman. This is Chad. The U.S. made the World Cup. So wash. And I'm leaving. COVID finally got me. And on this episode, Axel Springer is Europe's favorite fluffer. Malt's milkshake brings co-match to the yard and hired is coming to the old country. Let's do this. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. European. Talent. Intelligence. What does it mean? Imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group. Where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a European talent pool. Every year, thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence. With innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries. It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art, data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence. COVID? What? COVID? (laughs) You first should get knocked off a Reddit... Then you get back on. Then you get smashed by COVID. What the hell's going on, Levin? You just, you, it's like a house of cards over there. It must be a complot. How do you say complot in English? It must be a... A plot? A plot. That's the word I was looking Putin for. is poisoning him. That's the answer. <laughs> Putin is out to get Levin. Out to I get thought Levin. it was COVID, but it's polonium. Yeah. No, I got COVID, but uh, it's overrated. It's overrated. Well, one good thing, though, Belgium got an awesome draw in the World Cup. They only have to face... Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. So they should be on to at least the next group. Canada, Morocco, and Croatia. Yeah, that sounds like a doable bracket. So, yeah. so Chad, give me give me the soccer update because you know I don't watch this shit. So the U.S. is in. U.S. is in. Italy, Italy's out. Yep, Italy's out. Wow, that was a big one. They got beat by North Macedonia, and then uh, Portugal took care of them. But Portugal's draws Ghana, Uruguay, and Korea. And then the U.S.'s draw, we have England, Iran, and we're waiting for the winner of Scotland, 
uh, in Ukraine, uh, who's going to play Wales for the spot. And who's who's favored? Like who is the uh, top two or three teams that, that uh, everyone should be looking out for? Well, you've got the top seeds like Belgium and, and Portugal, but having Italy out of it, that's just, I mean, that's... That's weird. Brazil, Argentina, are they being oh, talked yeah. about at all? Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, yeah. Well, Argentina, obviously, because Messi. All right. Well, that's our soccer. Oh, sorry. Football update for the week, everybody. <laughs> Let's get to our mystery guest, shall we? Oh, mystery guest. Super excited. Uh, this is our first reporter uh, that we brought onto the show. <laughs> Journalism alert. All right. Uh, welcome, Pavel Marceau, to the show. Uh, Pavel is principal and managing editor at AIM Group. Love those guys. In my opinion, uh, AIM Group is the gold standard of mm-hmm. global reporting on our industry, as well as anything classified, so real estate, cars, etc. If you're an executive in this space and not a subscriber, get your head out of your ass uh, and head to <laughs> aimgroup.com today. He joins us from Cyprus. Pavel, welcome to the podcast. Damn right. Good intro. I like it. Very nice. Very you nice. Like I, like the, I like the football chat as well. You know, yeah, that's as, nice. a, as an Englishman, I, I appreciate it. So uh, you're in Cyprus. You have a nice English accent like you have an interesting history. Give us the Twitter bio about you. Oh, God. Uh, okay. So moved to Russia uh, from Russia when I was about six years old because my parents were running away from kind of the mafia field perestroika of 92. My dad was got a job off with the BBC. So he moved, we moved to London uh, and then pretty much um, uh, in London until my late teens, then kind of you know, studied, moved all, all over the world, uh, lived in Russia for a while, lived in just all, all over the world. Um, I'd say Pretty, I'm Russian born, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm as English as you can get, to be honest, uh, even though I speak Russian fluently. I'm, I'm about as, as, I don't know, as, as Russian as uh, John Gotti's Italian, something <laughs> along those lines. And now is, is reporting on this space sort of like some sort of corporal punishment that you have to endure after crimes as a child? I, I, I don't understand. What, why, why get into this space? It appears to be so, yeah. yeah. It's unique, I guess, right? That's a good thing. I mean, if you're a kind of financial mm-hmm. journalism uh, journalist, everyone's writing about that. Or if you're a sports journalist, uh, everyone does that. So kind of writing about classifieds and, you know, it's a very niche area. And I can, I can proclaim to be one of the very few people in the world who's, who's doing this kind of analysis. So that's nice, that's, I guess. That's a good point. And you are on the show because of an article that you recently wrote, uh, and this Uh-oh. is a boner boner alert for me. Uh, you wrote a you wrote a story entitled "Metaverse Hiring: A Passing Fad or Future Game Changer." So that obviously nothing but sex for Joel. Yeah, that one uh. got me going. Uh, so, Pavel, for those who haven't read uh, that story, what's your take on the metaverse and hiring? Is it the, the future or is it a passing fad? Give us the summary. So I, I wrote it a few months back and we've spoken to multiple, multiple recruitment companies and CEOs in the space about this theme. And obviously it was hot initially because of the whole kind of metaverse buzz uh, following Zuckerberg's announcement and uh, the way Facebook has embraced it. And what we saw at the beginning when I was writing an article is that you saw a couple of companies, uh, particularly in Asia, actually, I mean, they're very big on, on VR stuff way bigger than Europeans and Americans are. And we saw instant kind of funding into these kind of VR projects in Japan and, and a few other Asian countries. And uh, a fairly big company um, publicly listed called Port Inc. in Japan launched pretty much immediately uh, an app 
a metaverse app where kind of candidates can kind of scroll through through their world. Yeah, I mean, like many things that are VR at the moment, uh, in the same way that you know cryptocurrency has been, these things come and go. It's usually a fad. It's usually a way to appeal to to investors or sometimes to bring more employers abroad because you want to kind of show off your tech skills. And obviously, a lot of people we spoke to said, you know, of course, this is ridiculous. You know, there's no point. <laughs> it's just a waste of time, blah, blah, blah. But I spoke to a Japanese guy and he made a really, really good point, which I really liked and I didn't really think of. And he said, well, imagine you're like an 18-year-old, 19-year-old student, right? You're a Japanese guy. You've got low self-esteem. You know, you might be on your computer nine, nine, eight hours a day. You're not used to socializing. And even going on Zoom, let alone meeting someone face-to-face is like a real challenge, right? Because, you know, it takes a lot of, takes a lot of balls to do that for a young mm-hmm. kid. And he said that where they found the success in the metaverse and where they see the future is, is for those kind of people, you know, those kind of uh, socially shy guys who might be incredibly intelligent, especially in the kind of the tech IT space where you don't really need to be amazing at social interaction. It's more about numbers and, you know, being able to work and code well. So he said for those guys, it actually works really well because they get to choose their, uh, you know, their skin, they get to choose their, their character, their avatar, whatever, and they feel way more comfortable in that space. And I think it's especially apt for Japan, right? Because, I mean, yes. you, you probably heard lots of social mm-hmm. problems in Japan. There's like a whole yes. social class thing, right? So yeah. in addition to the shyness thing, there's also a huge class thing to overcome. So if you if you come from a kind of weird uh, lower social status, you might be really, really awkward when you have to meet some kind of big suit at a, at a recruitment company or any other company when you go to work. So that example I thought was really, really brilliant in, in terms of showing how it can work. So in, in short, Chad... He's saying there's a chance, baby. For incels everywhere. (laughs) That's pretty much it. Introverts everywhere rejoice. The metaverse is here. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Pavel. All right. Let's let's get into some shout outs, shall we, everybody? Hit it up. Go, G. I'm going to go ahead and go first. Uh, Orca. Free Willy. No, wait. Not that Orca. Um, The the Manchester-based startup founded in 2019 has announced a three million pound investment mm-hmm. from venture capital investor Pretora Ventures. Wow. Orca supports shift workers and their employers by helping them find temporary employment and allowing them to access 50% of their wages as soon as they've earned them. Hello. An average month, Orca helps 6,000 people source work. Shout out to Orca. Excellent. Well, uh, my shout out goes to the EU, who is standing up to big tech. It's about fucking time somebody does. An agreement called the Digital Markets Act establishes a series of prohibitions and obligations for companies, including Google, Meta, Apple, and Amazon, and a number of smaller platforms, and will likely include Chinese e-commerce giant Alibaba. Also requires uh, requirements for messaging services such as WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger and iMessage will have to open up for smaller messaging platforms for group chats. So here's where it gets really interesting, kids. Penalties for breaching the rules can be up to 10% of annual worldwide turnover in the case of the first infringement. And even up to 20% in the case of repeated infringements. For me, this is where it actually matters because we in the U.S., all we do is we just we have these little bitty fines that do nothing and uh, they still continue to, you know, act bad. So hopefully the EU is going to actually take a stand and maybe the U.S. will follow. We'll see. 
Yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah. Leaven. My shout out goes to Edwin van den Elst, who is the CEO at Redmar Group. Um, he invited me to his famous skiing trip to Austria last week. So he's CEO of <laughs> Redmar Group and they have a company called Talent and Pro. And they go skiing each year with about 300 people. And it's really a lovely trip. And he invited me. So I hope this will be an inspiration to all our other CEOs because <laughs> we have 45 companies and there are 52 weekends in a year. So um, plenty of time. I, I, all I can this? think I of like I'm taking is, crazy pills. is hot tub time machine. When I think of leaving, leaving going for a ski trip. <laughs> oh, I actually skied and I got COVID on the plane, but it, it was worth it. And the Swedish bikini team is in that hot tub, by the yes, way. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, nice. Nice. Pavel, our guest has a shout out which is a rare treat. Pavel, what you got? So my shout out is to the uh, Russian recruitment sector, which is tanking faster than, uh, I don't know, what would be a good US analogy, than Biden's presidential approval rating. How about that? A lead balloon, uh, submarine yeah. with screen doors. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's going down fast. Uh, you had a, pretty much all the major foreign companies that were operating in Russia's recruitment market. So you had recruit hold, holdings with Indeed, they're gone. You had Jubal, Ukrainian, obviously gone. A bunch of freelance marketplaces such as you know Upwork, Fiverr, they're all gone. So all the foreign actors have left the stage. So you have a bunch of Russian companies, uh, some of them actually listed on foreign markets, such as uh, Headhunter Group, of course, uh, listed in, on the London Stock Exchange. They're going to be facing a severe decline. And a huge stat that I saw was out of Russia's estimated 300,000 IT workers, half that's half. 50% are expected to leave the country in the next six months. Holy shit. Brain drain. That shit's happening. And are you seeing efforts by either countries uh, or businesses to capture uh, these exodus, exiting Russians? Uh, not yet. I think, don't think Russians are in trend right now. So there's not, no one's going, opening their arms too widely at the moment. But the Russian government is trying to keep them at home by giving them massive tax cuts and guaranteed higher wage brackets. Well, maybe they're escaping to Belgium, which is where Chad and I will be going uh, May 6th. Leave and tell everyone about the e-Congress if they, good God, don't even know by now. It's almost impossible not to know about the e-recruitment <laughs> Congress on May 6th in Belgium. <laughs> but, um, it's by far, by far the most important Congress on e-recruitment in Belgium. It's also one of the only e-recruitment Congresses in Belgium. But uh, it will be interesting. And uh, the metaverse is, uh, isn't on the on the speaker's list yet. So, Pavel, maybe we should talk. Yeah, Pavel, if you want to come talk about the metaverse, that'd be a hell of a fun topic to come and talk about <laughs> over some Belgian beers. Let's go get some COVID in Belgium. Let's get some... So Duval, Duval will clear that shit right up. Duval will clear that shit right up. And <laughs> Chad and I will also be uh, at Wreckfest in the UK. Pavel, that's maybe a little, you know, at least language closer to you. And uh, if anyone knows about... Wants to know more about Chad and Cheese's uh, tour of the world, just go to chadcheese.com backslash. But just go to chadcheese.com, click on events. It's right there in the upper right-hand corner. That's how easy it is. Even a caveman can figure it out. Topics. <laughs> Topics. Axel Foley, I mean Springer, has increased its stake in IT recruitment site nofluffjobs.com to 70% of the company shares up from 44% before the transaction. 
The value of the transaction was not disclosed. No Fluff Jobs was established in 2014 in Poland. Axel Springer first invested in the company in July of 2018. In October 2019, the site expanded into Hungary and in the following years also into the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Belarus, and Ukraine. The investment will let Axel Springer take No Fluff Jobs to the next level of international development and build a strong platform with IT job offers in the dynamic and growing global market of IT professionals. That's according to Mark Deckham, Deccan, CEO of Axel Springer. In the news release uh, that announced the transaction, No Fluff Jobs focuses specifically on listings for IT specialists. The site saw 842,000-ish visits in February. That's according to Similar Web. All right, guys, who's ready for a fluffer job and this is probably good timing considering all the Russian programmers getting the hell out of Russia. Right, Pavel? Yeah, and they're not in Belarus anymore, by the way. That's why we have reporters on the show. Yep. I think you know why. Don't need to spell it out, but yeah. Yep. Yeah, we've been following them for a while, actually. It's interesting. What's really interesting about that is the actual Springer entry into Eastern Europe and the way that they're, they're really trying to branch out. Um, it's part of the kind of general effort in, in the region. But... They're not, you know, they're not a very big site. I mean, usually niche sites like that don't get a lot of traffic. Uh, they'll never, you know, be competing for the for the top recruitment verticals in any of these countries. Um, and the way they've modeled the site, I mean, it's really like a purely English offering for for IT personnel in Eastern Europe. So let's see how it goes. You know, it's still an early stage of development at this point. Do you think Axel Springer wants to acquire No Fluff at some point? Like what? What's the added interest? Is it an acquisition, or it's just that good of a business? I think I think it's part of the part of the general trend because they're also big in real estate now. They've acquired a bunch of real estate assets over the past few years, and I think recruitment mm-hmm. is also part of that strategy. Um, they want to have a bigger presence in Eastern Europe because Eastern Europe, actually, if you look at it from a point of view of kind of these marketplace businesses, it's kind of getting ignored because you have process especially now because you're going to process probably leaving Russia, right? It's kind of, they've said they will, so it's probably going to happen. Uh, Belarus is another market going to be abandoned. Ukraine is obviously in chaos. So there's not too many competitors or major rivals. And there's a lot of companies to snap up in, in Eastern Europe. There's a lot of big kind of number one companies that are lo- locally owned, you know, they're not, they don't belong to any big giant corporate establishments. Are there any particular countries that you think are going to greatly benefit from the Russian exit, Belarus exit, and the debacle in Ukraine? Like Poland is doing a very good job of housing Ukrainians. I mean, do you think there's going to be a renaissance period for Eastern Europe as these developers sort of uh, take flight in those countries? Or do you think they're going to go to France and Germany and, and try to make their way to America? Do you have any take on that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's going to be Western Europe for both Russians and Ukrainian developers. I don't, I don't what people don't understand is, is, is um, Ukrainians, even though Poland has been really nice, they're taking on a lot of Ukrainians. Ukrainians don't feel very homely in, in Poland. Historically, they've always been kind of opposed to each other. And, and I feel even though there's this kind of wave of, really positive wave of welcoming them in, long term, when I speak to my Ukrainian friends, they don't really see a future for themselves in Eastern Europe unless it's right. at home, you know. Yeah. So um, really brass tacks. This is a job board. It's no fluff. It's stripped down. It's job ads with pay transparency. But this could easily be duplicated. So it's not a major – it, it's, it's just interesting that Axel Springer would buy these guys, number one, after Stepstone backs out of France, right, which is the number two – uh, markets in Europe. We broke that. The in-group broke that story. 
Yeah, you did. Yeah, you you and we talked about it because you guys do the good stuff. Um, but the but. I don't understand why 70%. Why? Two two things. First and foremost, just buy the damn thing. It can't be that expensive, number one. Number two, number two, if you are a founder, why hang on to 30%? If you, ha- if you don't have controlling interest, sell that shit. I mean, you're hanging on for a wing and a prayer is what you're doing. So that to me was really weird. Yeah, but maybe... Axel Springer just wants to keep the management on board. So they um, are obliged to keep uh, part of the shares. So they uh, should try to make as much money as possible because they're still shareholders. Otherwise, yeah. if they would have some kind of an agreement like you will have to stay for five years, yeah. why should they work hard when uh, they cashed already? I would do the same thing. Yeah, I'm just saying as, as a founder, you at that point are cornered. So you either sell the whole thing or you know you, you don't give up controlling controlling interest. I just want to be a fly on the wall of a sales call when someone calls a company and says they're with no fluff jobs at what the, <laughs> the response is. I, I know what my response would be if I were on the other end of that that call. All right, let's take a quick break uh, and we'll we'll have some some milkshakes. Europe has a bunch of countries in it. Everyone deserves their best job. That's what Fiji stands for. We make a big difference for independent recruiters with the strength of our fast-growing recruiter network. At Fiji, you can be your best self and work for the company you like whenever and wherever. We support you with the best digital and online recruitment marketing. We offer professional business development support, recruitment specialist training, and a bit of rebellious network meetings. Let's join strengths and help more professionals find the job they love. Celebrate recruitment and join Fiji at FYGI.nl. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. All right. French freelancer marketplace Malt has acquired Berlin-based Comatch. The terms of the deal were not made public, but the acquisition is said to involve a mix of equity and cash. It's a match made in freelance heaven, everybody. Comatch is a marketplace for independent management consultants and industry experts, and Malt has a reported 340,000 freelancers across Europe, matching freelance developers, designers, and other technical workers with companies. Founded in France, it has since begun operating in Germany, Spain, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Switzerland, with offices in Paris, Lyon, Madrid, Munich, and of course now Berlin. Previously, Comatch, founded in 2014, had raised a total of $14 million, while Malt, founded a year earlier, has raised almost $140 million. There's always a bigger fish. Who wants to chime in on this deal and how long before Malt expands to the United States of America? First off, this is the European show, so it's 122 million euros, just so that everybody understands, right? It is still 340,000 freelancers, though. I don't think that number changes. Well, yeah. The, and the question is, is that a lot of gig workers? Because when we first looked at this, and we the, the very first show we did, the very first European show, we looked at this number and we thought, eh, it's not too big. But then I went and I took a look at um, Fiverr. And they have, and again, they're a global organization. They have 830,000 gig workers globally. So I thought, you know, wow, that's a pretty damn good representation. If you are only in a little over a handful of European countries and you have 340,000, then you hook up with Comatch and they have 15,000 freelancers. But these freelancers are across nine different markets and they're more upscale 
right? So you're talking about um, management consultants and industry experts. So this is this is an interesting acquisition from the standpoint of being able to up level your candidate pool. The, the the question for me is, will they continue with the co-match brand or will this all just become malt and then malt has more layers of uh, individuals that you could go after consultants versus, you know, entry level gig workers? Maybe it can be co-malt. Sing, single malt. So say that again. So there are eight hundred, some eight hundred thousand freelancers globally on Fiverr. Eight hundred and thirty. That was twenty nineteen numbers. Okay, so let's call it nine hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but twenty five percent of their revenues came from from Europe. So you know it's fairly substantial. But again, you're talking about a global platform versus one that's just a handful of uh, of European countries. Europeans be freelancing. It sounds like it's a growing phenomenon. And Malt is uh, positioned to uh, profit from that quite a bit. Levin? Yeah, the timing is perfect, I think. The freelance business is exploding right now. And we started a bit later than in the United States. You had a Reddit for a few years and a Reddit not. <laughs> Still top of mind. They throw me out of Reddit. No, you had a Fiverr. Um, Upwork. A couple of years ago. And now the same thing is happening in Belgium and in, in uh, Europe. So um, Malt is active in the biggest countries, I guess, are France, Germany, Switzerland, Spain, Belgium, Netherlands. If I look at our companies doing the same thing, it's since last year, they're actually growing very fast. It took some time to get launched, but now it's it's moving fast. So you, I think buying something in Germany is a good idea because it's a very big market, the biggest one. It's still very fragmented. You have many, many, many small companies perfect for consolidation to do some acquisitions. I would do the same thing if I were them. You know, we talked, uh, when we were talking about Upwork and Fiverr leaving Russia, um, I remember we talked a little bit about freelance.com, uh, which I think was also based in, in France and that they were not leaving uh, Russia. So I thought that was an interesting move. Maybe that's changed um, since then, but you have, you have a really crowded market space for gig workers and freelancers in Europe. And obviously, consolidation is going to happen, whether it's on the Upwork Fiverr end of things, freelance, uh, malt, you've got obviously, uh, you know, driver jobs, Uber's there, et cetera. And then uh, consolidation is going to happen. So to me, this is as simple as a bigger fish uh, ate a little fish and whether it was going to be malt or freelance or someone else, uh, they were, co-match was going to be gobbled up and it just happened to be malt in this in this case. It's interesting how everything has accelerated uh, on the back of the pandemic. And I think the general understanding and the way investors view freelance marketplace has really switched, right? Because before it was all kind of like, you know, low paid, really basic stuff, lots of poorly qualified freelancers uh, looking to be- make a few bucks on the side. And I think what we're seeing now is this real focus on quality over quantity. And I think the next stage that we'll see will be this hyper-localized uh, hyper-skill-focused uh, freelance marketplaces with, with even like a, a, a gateway on skills, you know. So, you, And I think that's going to be really in demand where you can have major corporates coming in and finding really high-level, high-pay freelancers. And by the way, so so at the AIM Group, we do, we do a recruitment annual and every year we rank the top 15 uh, freelance sites globally by web traffic. Give you guys a guess. Name me the top three uh, freelancer marketplaces by traffic. Have a guess. Upwork. That's number two. Fiverr. Fiverr is number one. Number three. <laughs> uh, probably it's somewhere in one. Asia or China that we'd never heard no, of. No, it's a US site. <laughs> oh, it is US. Uh, Dribble.com. Oh, yeah. Uh, design work. 
Yeah, yeah, dribble.com, yeah. yeah. Very popular. That's interesting. Yeah, we learned something today. <laughs> learn something every day, every day. So here's the thing. And you asked, Joel, do you think that they're coming to the U.S.? I think they shouldn't, first and foremost. I think they, there's enough There's enough to eat uh, in Europe. Although, here's one of the quotes from Crunchbase. Um, Following this acquisition, Malt has some ambitious goals. By 2024, the company expects to generate 1 billion euros in business volume. And just to kind of give you an idea, Fiverr is paced this year to be at 375 million globally in revenue. I mean, their their eyes are big. Uh, I think to answer your question, they should stay in Europe, but with that kind with that kind of goal, they've got to go to the U.S. because they can't find that much cash in Europe alone. I agree. I mean, it's a big market, okay, but how are these companies, how are these platforms going to differentiate between each other? And you could say. I'm a freelancer. I'm present at several platforms and the one which is going to give me the best projects I will take and they will make some money on me. So there are several possibilities. You could be uh, work on the price. Let's say at um, Malt, they charge about 10% on the first um, project you do for a client and the second one for the same client, they charge 5%, which actually is cheaper than Fiverr. So that could be a reason to break into the market. Mm-hmm. But I think, and it's something Pavel said as well, it's about um, quality. All those big platforms, and they claim to have over 300,000 freelancers, they probably haven't ever met 10% of those. And they didn't interview them or anything. So I think the... Best way to differentiate today is to have a smaller community of high quality freelancers, which you all know, which you have tested and which you guarantee are good. A bit like Fiverr has its um, its business platform or something where you pay more, but um, the candidates are qualified by Fiverr, a very small percentage of all those people. So this is something I believe in. You have a smaller niche with a community of people who know each other, who know you, you know them. You've tested them and you put them in the markets. Quick question for the Europeans. Culturally, do you guys have an opinion on whether European countries are most comfortable with, hey, get your ass back in the office, live close to work, relocating people from other EU countries to come live uh, in the city of your headquarters or the office to come in? Um, or is there a greater comfort in, okay, we're going to start working remotely. We're going to start using contractors all around the continent. Do you guys have a sense culturally what is sort of most comfort uh, comfortable for companies in Europe? Is it a country by country? Is there a blanket statement you could make or no clue whatsoever? I can give you an example. So so I used to work with a big, I won't say in the company, but it's a huge, huge public listed company in the UK. And about four years ago, they started shutting down all of their freelancers because they they started believing in this kind of work-first philosophy. So they worried about data breaches, security, and they basically wanted everyone in-house, in the office. Um, and they cut off a bunch of thousands of freelancer contracts. Then the pandemic hit, and their philosophy basically was left in ruins, right? Because they were left without this freelancer base um, to fall back on. And that is a good example of, of what companies are seeing as the risk now. And I think in the UK, at least, um, freelancer model is being adopted very, very rapidly. It's completely normal now. Which is flowing nicely into the next Hired.com expansion. That's right, Chad. You read my mind in that segue, (laughs) baby. Let's talk about Hired. Uh, So Hired is a solution for finding tech and sales talent. Last week, they announced uh, its next milestone, enabling hiring on a global scale. 
While Hired focused on matching employers and candidates in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. in the past, now companies can connect with job seekers from more than 100 companies following the platform shift to remote hiring worldwide. As part of the strategy, Hired has partnered with Global HR Solutions, Oyster, and Remote to help employers more easily source, hire, onboard, and employ talent from anywhere. Through these partnerships, hired customers have access to HR management solutions for international payroll, benefits, taxes, and compliance, among other needs. To date, Hired, founded in 2012, has raised $132 million. Chad, you can chime in on what that is in euros. Uh, Guys, I imagine a lot of vendors are figuring out how to scale internationally thanks to the popularity of remote work. Any thoughts? I think it's very difficult. There's, there's lots of things to consider. There's lots of uh, regulations on the regional level. Uh, you need a really strong payment system, right, that works globally. I think so you need a huge investment to, to, to work on a global level. It's easier for, for the IT segment, I think, generally speaking, because the volumes aren't as massive. But I think uh, if you have a remote hiring platform, I think you've got to think internationally these days. I don't think you can be you know, restricted to one market. They're look, they're specifically looking at sales and, and IT. So in both those in both those areas, I think you know r- remote is uh, pretty smart, right? Uh, it just makes sense. But I'm wondering if Hired was waiting for a benchmark of validation from customers, like da- data points they shared. Sixty percent of their employers and ninety percent of their candidates are open to remote work. I wonder if they waited to see those numbers hit like a certain benchmark before they actually pulled the trigger because they could have done this much earlier. And to 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 your point Pavel, the remote partnership is key for all of those payment systems and being able to work in all those different countries. So that's a great connection and if they're using Oyster and Remote well, as sales generation leads through partnership, this could be huge for Hired.com. Uh, at first, I was not a big fan because it was a deco and they bought Vettery and I didn't think that they would be able to transition from the old style staffing model into something new. And it looks like they're it, they're starting to find their way. What, Levin? What do you think? This is this is your lane, man. It's about time they start doing something right, I guess. <laughs> they used to be number one. They uh, were passed by uh, Randstad. I think they're totally right in this case. Something Pavel said, and I think something Chad said are are pretty relevant uh, here. Number one, overnight the pandemic changed people's opinions on what was important and what wasn't, and overnight basically. Employer said, we need to be able to manage, recruit remotely. We need to be able to uh, open open the doors to more talent on a global level. And what happens when uh, employers want something, they go to their vendors and say, how can you help us do this? How can you get us to global uh, a global footprint in terms of recruiting and managing these, these folks? Obviously, remote was in a great position. If if you look at your tech, you know your tech team, and say, okay, how do we build this easily or quickly? Partnerships typically come to mind. Like, who can we partner with quickly to be able to add, uh, you know, this solution to our our customers? And I think that was part of I think Hired's uh, desire to sort of grow globally quicker than mo- than most of their their competition. I, I, and I do think you're going to see more and more companies. They want to be able to say to their clients, yes, we can help you globally. They don't want to say. Now we're good with just the U.S. or now we're just good with North America and the U.K. They want to be able to tell people 
we can help you find uh, people globally. It reminds me of, Chad, you'll remember this, when Jobs to Web came to market and said, we will do SEO for you and we'll put a layer of uh, a layer over your, your job postings and they'll all be SEO friendly and Google will index them. Well, all these, all the, all the employers started saying, why aren't my jobs SEO friendly? Why aren't they showing up in Google? So eventually every ATS said, oh shit, we better do this. And I think that sort of demand by customers is happening post pandemic with get us global, like get us global as soon as, as possible, because we want our door open to talent everywhere if the technology yeah. can support it. Yeah. Well, I, I got to say, I'm not sure that Adeco has yet to nail it with Hired. They're on the right path, I think, but they're sure as hell doing better than Ron Sod ever did with Monster. I drink your milkshake. I drink it up. All right, guys, Pavel. Thanks for joining us today. That was great. For those uh, who don't know you or AIM Group, uh, where should they go to, to learn more? AIMGroup.com, not to be confused with the US uh, logistics company, AIM Group. And how much is a subscription to AIM these days? Depends. We have very moderate subscriptions uh, for our new service. Uh, we, you, know, you, you only need to pay a couple hundred bucks and you get access to our kind of news briefs. If you want a more mm-hmm. in-depth subscription to, to our detailed reports, then you're probably going to pay in the thousands. There's a reason why all the major tech companies and the major marketplaces businesses are subscribed to us. Highly recommend it. And it's tax deductible, I think, in most countries. Guys, if you want to hear more European goodness, head out to chadcheese.com backslash Europe. Leaving Chad, another one is in the can. We out. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to what's it called? The podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know. And yet, you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses. And not one word. So weird. Anywho... Be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.